Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back aboard another ride on the Groove Line. And I have another special guest with me today. And we will be talking about the greatness that was the Netflix documentary, Quincy, about the life and times, the music, the loves, and the overall insanity that is the life of one Quincy Delight Jones Jr. And I'm pleased to have Bridget from EPB Podcast join me. Bridget, how you doing tonight? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? I'm good. Just, you know, glad to, you know, be talking, you know, music with someone who I always talk music with on Twitter. Bridget and I have had some great, you know, discussions over the years. And for her to agree to come on is, you know, for you having you come on is, you know, ex- you know, exciting for me. So we'll just go ahead and jump right into it. OK, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm excited. Let's go. <laughs> Same here. So um, you said um, when we talked about it briefly, you said you had your son watch it for the historical aspect of it and just how, you know, from a, from a parent's perspective, you know, you know, train a child up in a way they should go and things like that. What do you think was um, important for your son necessarily to see when you talk about the life and times of Quincy Jones? Uh, Just how long the span of years he's been in the music business. And I kind of asked him what, you know, what did he think about the documentary and what was exciting to him? And the best thing he saw was how he tied in to Michael Jackson. (laughs) So when he uh, saw Michael Jackson on the screen, he was just like, Oh my God, that's Michael Jackson. I'm like, yeah, son, he worked with Michael Jackson, but um, just, just how long his career was. And my son is eight. So, um, you know, they they talked about, you know, how Quincy got into the music business and all of that. And uh, he was kind of doing the math in his head. Like he was like, man, I forgot when Quincy Jones was born, but I think it was like 1939 or something, something like that. But he was like, okay, 33. So he was like, oh, my God, he uh, he just as old as Big Mama, which is my grandmother. Um, who's still alive and he was just I was like yeah yeah he's been living a long time so um but I didn't think my son would enjoy it because it's he's eight and you know kids don't want to sit there for a long period of time and watch that much history but he was really into it like he didn't ask a lot of questions he didn't get up and move around a whole lot but I was really excited that he was excited to be watching it with me. So it was a good time. That's pretty good. That is awesome. Um, We definitely, you know, got to do a better job, you know, showing the youth where we come from, especially music. Quincy said that in the documentary itself when he was um, producing the, uh, the black Sony and open, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's important, you know, the kids to see where they come from and different things like that. For me, I'm with you. Just the fact that, you know, at 14 years old, he meets a 16, 17-year-old blind kid from Florida named Ray Charles. Right. <laughs> and, of course, they, they become the best of friends. And one of my favorite parts is when he, you know, tries to break out on his own after being a Lionel Hampton's band. And Donna Washington goes to the label and says she wants Quincy to arrange her stuff. And the label is like, we want a name. And Dinah said, I got a name for your ass, Dinah Washington and Quincy Jones. <laughs> that to me was important because, you know, we have this, you know, this, you know, with Aretha Franklin recently passing, we know that mm-hmm. a lot of musicians from back in the day, you know, could have some, 
you know, some temperamental ways about him. And for someone of Dinah Washington's legacy and, you know, lineage, you know, to go to bat for a guy who wasn't very well known at the time really set Quincy on his path. And I feel like that's an important part of the documentary because it had to start somewhere. And for Quincy, that just opened up doors for him, like Frank Sinatra, movie scores, and then, of course, Michael Jackson and all of that. Right, right. I didn't know that uh, that Frank Sinatra asked for Quincy Jones. Like I was like, wow, I didn't even – I just missed that whole part of his history. It's just – the documentary is so, so good. Of course, it was like a good, what, two – almost – two and a half hours, like two hours and some change. Of course, they could have spent, it could have been a season of Quincy Jones, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, on Netflix. Yep. So, it, it, but I think they did an excellent job of, like, expanding his whole career and um, just getting into who all he worked with is just, whew, the list is ex- extensive. It's Really, really extensive, but I'm sure we're going to get into it. Yeah, definitely. And another thing that, you know, I I thought, I, 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 I thought was important was that, you know, this showed that, you know, we're, we're, our, eight, our legends aren't getting any younger because, I mean, there were at least two or three instances in those two hours where the man was in the hospital. I mean, right. The first one. Like was a straight up diabetic coma, and I was like, "Right, I think I remember this." But to actually see in that state, it was like, "Yo, we were really close to losing him." Mm-hmm. And that I I don't think I recall that either that he got so sick that he was in a diabetic coma. And I was like, I don't even remember that. But you know, he was in the diet because as soon as the documentary comes on, he's he goes into the hospital. Um, They talked about when he had his aneurysm, which was like, I think in the late seventies, early eighties. And I was like, I, you know, I was too young to remember that anyway. And then when he went into the hospital, when he was doing all that traveling, I forgot what he was, uh, he was promoting something. I can't recall what it was, but he went into the hospital then. And I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> I was like, I'm so glad that they got it done. And we were, and he's still with us and he's still doing interviews, which is crazy. But <laughs> and some of the stuff that he has said um, recently, but I mean, it's just, man, it's just, he has so much history with him and I'm just so glad that he's able to talk about it and he just is it was a lot it was it was my son also mentioned that he was just like man he was sick a lot and I was like yeah yeah and the part that, the part that gets me was the aneurysm because normally that takes people out of here like right even you saw you saw it on the screen you know he had a one in 100 chance to live right and somehow this dude and somehow this dude's survive two of them right what the what in the undertaker hell like he just you know he he just keeps sitting up like the undertaker does and it's like golly exactly i mean like you said it's a blessing that he's still able to you know talk be coherent like he gets around pretty good but i think the wheelchair is just like you know for him to kind of save his energy right right you know the comas and everything like that and the and other thing that, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
I was gonna say, if you if you if somebody pins you, if somebody like you know, I don't want to say put a gun in your head because I'm not trying to speak that into existence. But if somebody said you have to give me a some definite like a five a top five of Quincy Jones productions, what would you start off with? Like you know, what would be like the top five that you could probably think of off the top of your head? Oh, oh man. Okay. You said top five, right? Out of 70 years, we got to do top five. Okay, so the color purple comes to mind because that score is amazing. Um, oh, of course, uh, uh, is it back on the block where he worked with yeah. everybody? Like, I, I mean, that's just part of my childhood. Uh, that's number two. Woo! Why you do this, CJ? <laughs> we gotta have something. We gotta have something to you know get people talking. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so I got three more. Hmm. I want to say something, Michael Jackson, but I I don't want to give. I think Rod Temperton did a lot of those things. Yeah. Um, I'm naming albums, right? I ain't, I hadn't said songs. Whew. Yeah, you mean you? I mean whichever. I mean whichever you feel comfortable with. I mean, it, I mean it's cool with me because, like you said, I mean his his catalog is just crazy. It's 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 really it's really crazy. Um, I'm just gonna throw Michael Jackson out there. Do I want to say Out the Wild? Do I want to say Thriller? <laughs> uh. Mm. I ain't gonna sway you either way, but I'm just gonna say off the wall is undefeated in my opinion. <laughs> yes, off the wall is undefeated. So I'm just gonna say that one. I'm gonna say that's number three. Mm. Let's see, that's three. Let's see if I can get some old school Quincy in here, but I gotta think real hard. Um, man, can I do like TV shows? I didn't even know he did some of the TV shows. Some of this stuff is like yeah, I, I think I think I know where you're going with this one. Oh, the Wiz, the Wiz. Yeah. That's four, and uh, this is like a complete random. Um, I'm just gonna say in the heat of the night. <laughs> Bam! That's See, it. <laughs> that that just that you that's a that's a perfect top five because you cover pretty much thirty five years of music history because I mean it's just it's crazy and so, and I ain't gonna leave you out to dry. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna try to give you five songs for me. Um, okay. For me, the version of "If I Ever Lose This Heaven" with Minnie Riperton, Leon Ware, and Al Jarreau that's on the Body Heat album. That is absolutely mm. one of my favorite late night summer songs ever. And people say the average white band version is better. I don't agree with that because, you know, Quincy, you know, he assembled an all-star cast. And you want to know that it's kind of it's kind of morbid when you think about it. But when Quincy was mentioning all the people that he lost, when you think about it, many, of course, died young because she had breast cancer. Mm. But like the last couple of years, Al Jarreau and Leon Ware just passed away within like maybe six, eight months of each other. Right. So everybody that had a 
everybody had a vocal on that song is gone now. So that yeah. would be one of my top five Quincy joints. Um, you said TV is is loud, so I got to go with the street beat and the Sanford and Son thing. Like oh, I yeah. find myself, I find myself beatboxing that joint like at work, and people looking at me like, "Are you crazy?" Working <laughs> with y'all, they have to be. So yeah, street beat. That's one. Of, that's another one. Um. Uh, oh my God, Secret Garden. Oh, yeah, Lord, man. Lord have mercy. When, like, I don't know that level of you know vocal talent at that time because James Ingram was one of the best to ever do it at that point. And I'll give you another James Ingram song later on. Um, I'll be sure was hot. Elder Barge, of course, was hot. And Barry White was the legend. I mean, he was the he was the one that brought it home. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as like as soon as you you know it's go time. And uh, what else? Um, tell me a bedtime story from the stuff and sounds like that album. It sets a nice mood. I mean, I don't think it's gonna be anything that you play during the act of adulting, but it gets you to that point. And from an instrumental standpoint, you know the way the um the strings. The chants in the background, the the slight drums, and the keyboard song. So I'm a big fan of that. And last one, I'm gonna go with one of the songs that introduced James Ingram to the general public as well as Patty Austin. It comes from a movie that I can't remember, but I know Chris Christopherson was in it. That's all I remember. And that's how do you keep the music? Quincy, you know his his catalog is crazy. Like if you if you think about it. If you think about somebody, he's probably worked with them. If you have a song in mind, he might have produced it or arranged it. And mm. he's just he's living history. It doesn't get any better than living history. For real. Cause when they did that span of like his the music he had done for like TV shows, I was like, oh my God, I didn't even think about this. Like it was extensive. It was so crazy. And then I was like, oh, yeah, he did do Roots. Oh, yeah, he did do the Weeds. Oh, yeah, of course, he did the Color Purple. Like, good Lord. Of course, we got to talk about the craziness that's in the uh, the GQ interviews. Um, him talking about Marlon Brando with Marvin Gaye. And you think at 85 years old, you know, he just, you know, saying stuff to say stuff. But as long as he's been around and some of the craziness he's seen, you got to look at look at yourself like, well, maybe he is telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And social social that like it was it was probably one of the more interesting days ever when that interview dropped. Like, how much of the stuff do you think he was saying was actually like you know factual? All of it. I don't think he was. I mean, why would he lie about it now? He's 85 years old. He don't have anything to hide. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is, I, um, I, do you listen to uh, the Quest Love? Um, what's it? QLS, uh, Quest Love Supreme? QLS, I, I need to. But he has, he's been on there. And I think, like, um right before or right after they did the interview with uh Greg what's his last name the guy that worked with Michael Jackson 
I think they interviewed Quincy, but because of that GQ interview, I don't think they've released that interview since then. Cause it was, I kind of heard that Quest Love and Fonte said, Quincy said some wild shit on their interview. And I think they're just holding back the footage and they don't want to release it. But, uh, yeah, th- that's what made me believe that he's been saying some wild ass shit. Because <laughs> I was like, so the G, there was like the GQ interview was probably nothing compared to what he said on their show. So I was like, hmm. And I've been waiting on them to release it, and I don't think they're going to do it because he probably said too much controversial stuff. So. And this is like unedited. They let them go Mm. on QLS. Like let them, like they ask them whatever. They don't hold back. They let them go. So they probably just let Quincy talk. Because I mean, what else would you do? I mean, just let ask a few questions here and there and let him go. So yeah, I don't think I don't think Quincy was lying. That man was telling the whole truth. He's 85 for real. And I don't edit. I don't envy the person that has to edit that at all because (laughs) that is a lot of stuff that you're going to have to make like moral decisions on. Like, do I want to put this in there? You know, is he, you know, are we talking, I mean, would, would a threesome between celebrity X musician Y and celebrity B be good for this podcast because that sounds like the kind of stuff Quincy was saying, but I think, you know, you're, you're probably right in that respect. Like, you know, 85 years old and not all of it can be, you know, fictional. So it just, I mean, I think it just shocked people that it just, it came out of left field because I mean, I'm not going to say no one was thinking about Quincy Jones because that's far from the truth, but no Mm. one just expect, I mean, like Quincy appears and people, you know, he does, I mean, he's obviously still very active, but Mm. for him to verbalize these things in print, it was like, whoa, right. Just, it was, I mean, it was the shock factor of it all. But once you get over the shock factor of it, probably true. It's probably true. I absolutely believe it's true. And it, there's no telling what else he said that they didn't inc- <laughs> include in the actual interview with GQ. So, mm. but um, yeah, I'm just I'm just waiting on. I I want QLS to release it because I that was a while ago. The GQ interview happened like in the spring, or it was released in the spring, right? Yeah, I think it was like late winter, early spring. Yeah, and I think that's right around the time that they got an interview form, and they they've never they haven't spoken of it, and they haven't released it yet. So I don't know if that's gonna happen this year or next year, but I hope it's soon. And you know, cause Quincy getting up there in age, so I don't want them to release it after he, you know, I'm not saying he gonna pass anytime soon, but yeah, but I just it, I want to see what he has to say. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Overall, what would you say, you know, if somebody was on the fence for this, and I don't think they should be, but if somebody was on the fence for watching this documentary, what would you say would, you know, to kind of sort of get them to say, all right, I'll check it out. Like, what do you think would be the important points that a person would have to see 
in the Quincy documentary. I just, like you said, he's living history and um, just who he's worked with, just not just in just with uh, music, like he did jazz and all of it. Like it's the scores he's done. He's worked in TV. Like, I mean, anybody you can think of in the, the music business today, present Will Smith, he helped him get on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It's just like, it's extensive who Quincy has worked with. Man, he was talking to Tupac before he got shot. Like when that whole little thing went down, I forgot that happened. Like when he was trying to like calm the violence down with the East Coast and the West Coast beef, he was a part of that. Like, so it's, it's, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to watch it. Like, go sit down. If you have kids, have your kids sit down and watch it because there's so much that they will learn. Or if they didn't, you know, people that they weren't even familiar with, they'd be like, okay, who is that? Let me go look up Diana, you know, Diana Washington. Oh, he worked with Frank Sinatra. Oh, I didn't know that. He worked with Ray Charles for this period of time. Oh, I didn't know that. Or just like my son, he picked up Michael Jackson. Like, he was like, oh, I didn't know he worked with Michael Jackson. I was like, yeah. Like, he's worked from everybody from the 40s to now. So, yeah. Eric, just go check it out. Please go look at it. You're going to learn so much. Seriously. And if you don't know about it, I don't know what's wrong <laughs> and it's actually very family friendly too, save for yes. the sprinkling of the language. Yeah, it was a it was a few f bombs here here and there, but it wasn't extensive. It was okay. Yeah. So, um, just closing out, um, just tell people where they can find you if they want to talk music and you know the podcast that you're a part of. Yes, I am uh, BGRS on Twitter. Um, I, I talk music. I love to talk music. I'm so glad that CJ asked me to come. Um, I'm on the EPB podcast. I'm one fourth of that. Um, and we just now came back uh, like a couple of months ago. We were on supreme hiatus because <laughs> real life be happening. But um, yeah, we're, you know, I'm a part of it. And um, that's pretty much it. So come holler at me, follow me, say hello. I'll say hello back. So that is fantastic. Well, Bridget, thank you, Bridget of the EPB podcast. Thank you for coming on. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Groove Line. If you want to check us out, you can go to soundcloud.com forward slash Groove Line pod. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts if you search for the Groove Line. And the same for Stitcher Mobile, if you have that app on your phone. This is CJ signing off. And once again, thank you for riding on the Groove Line. Peace out.